The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. Heinemann is a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann, dedicated to teachers. What do you do about the student in your class who doesn't like you? I'm Brett from Heinemann. On today's podcast, we're continuing our series of conversations with Cornelius Minor. In his classroom, he's facing the question, how do I recognize the difference between can't learn and won't learn? Mr. Minor is a frequent keynote speaker and lead staff developer at the Teachers College Reading and Writing Project in New York, where he works with teachers, school leaders, and communities to support literacy reform in cities. In his work, Cornelius not only draws on his years teaching middle school in the Bronx and Brooklyn, but also on time spent skateboarding, shooting hoops, and working with kids. He's also currently writing his first book for Heinemann. As Cornelius says in this conversation, we all have students who consume our thoughts and keep us up at night. For Cornelius, this student, who we'll call Daniel, is that worry. And the reason they're at odds might seem simple, but it goes much deeper. Cornelius explains more here. One of the things that's so powerful about being a teacher, or I guess so universal about being a teacher, is we all have these students that we think about and can't stop thinking about. You know, every teacher, I think, if I ask them, they have that one kid that keeps them up late at night. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's Daniel. Like, um, I've been really grappling with him um, all week. Daniel's this really interesting kid. I don't know him that well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see him, you know, twice weekly um, for reading intervention. And um, and one interesting thing about Daniel is uh, he's the kid that has just decided that he's not going to learn from me. Oh, wow. Um, and, and I know how to spot those kids. You know, I've yeah. been seeing those kids my entire career. But I think the thing that makes Daniel different is his opposition to me isn't violent. So this isn't, this is an opposition to what you're teaching or to other classes. This is you, you have learned that this is opposition directed specifically at you. Oh yeah. It's personal. (laughs) It's personal. (laughs) And, um, you know, and I can kind of laugh about it now, but it's an uncomfortable laughter because, you know, you don't, want to feel like there's a kid that doesn't like you. Yeah. And and so it's really forced me to confront it. And I've had to be braver than I've ever been. I've had to talk to him about it. Because again, Daniel isn't the kind of kid that's going to break rules. He's not the kind of kid yeah. that's going to leave class or cut class altogether. And so there he sits every day, twice a week, not doing Just, what I want him to do. How do you enter a conversation like that? you you there's really no graceful way to enter it you, you just kind of have to like slide into the door when you catch an opening mm-hmm. and that's how it was with daniel i got a chance to sit with him this week and one of the things that i mentioned to him i was like daniel you know you you're totally capable of doing this stuff i see you in all your other classes i mm-hmm. see you in after school um why is it that you shut down here um and of course my first three attempts to talk to him were met with silence you know, and it wasn't, so he wouldn't even respond. To you. He wouldn't even respond. You know, oh, he, wow. again, never disrespectful, yeah. um, but just like I'm not talking to you, dude. And it would be really interesting because I'd catch him in conversation with another kid, mm-hmm. and so I would slide into the door, hoping that okay, he's already talking to another kid. Maybe he'll talk to me. Silence. 
you know, and I didn't have an in until the fourth conversation. And I think Daniel just kind of noticed that I wasn't going away. Yeah. And so, so I guess to answer your question, how does one start that conversation with persistence where it just felt like I was getting turned down for a date over and over (laughs) and over and over again. Um, but finally on the fourth attempt, when I talked to Daniel, um, one of the things that that he told me, and and he didn't answer my questions directly. He just started storytelling, yeah. um, and he's just like, "Well, Mr. Miner, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time. Um, I've got three younger brothers. All of them are in elementary school. Daniel's a seventh grader. All of them are in elementary school. As soon as school's over, I got to run to school, pick up one brother, get him home, get the other brother to after school. You know, make sure the other brother has something to eat. So wow. he's juggling three kids. You know, and I'm thinking like, I am a teacher." And I'm struggling to juggle two kids, you know, my own two children. And so here's a 13-year-old who's juggling three kids until 6 o'clock every night. And as we talked, and um, there was just clear devotion to his family. Like, Mm -hmm. I could hear it. It was palatable. And I just kept thinking about, okay, so a kid this responsible, Mm -hmm. why is this kid choosing to not learn from me? I've done everything I can to be a good teacher. You know, I've read all the books. I've been to all the PD. Um, And so why is it that this responsible kid who clearly wants to do well in life has chosen to not learn from me? And I just listened to him talk. And I thought about my class and I thought about the rules and the structure of my class. Daniel said one word that caused me to think. He said homework. And then it struck me. At some point early this year, I gave the talk that all teachers give. Mm -hmm. And I, I said to the class that, you know, class, if you're not doing your homework after school, your priorities are in the wrong place. Mm. And in that moment, I realized that I had built this vision of success for the classroom. And in that vision of success, I had excluded Daniel. Wow. Where here's a kid who totally wants to do well, but his priorities are in, a, are in another place yeah. after school. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. you know. And so he didn't help me to come to that understanding, but it kind of hit me um, in that moment. And I had to do something about it. Yeah. You know, I think... Um, the scary thing about teaching is we want the best for kids. We want the best for all kids. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, through our innocuous actions, we're exclusive. You know, so I had said this statement out of pure good intentions right. for kids. You weren't trying to hurt his feelings. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, and so I asked him, I was just like, you know, um, I noticed that you do a lot after school with your brothers, you know, and um, and I realized that I said something that might have upset you a few weeks ago. Um, is it that, you know, and he didn't even answer yes. He just nodded. Oh, wow. And so, so we had this moment where he's saying, yeah, you totally offended me. And so I completely understand, you know, why he had chosen not to learn from me or why he'd shut down because here I am, this teacher with great intentions and I disrespected his lifestyle in the most personal way. Yeah. You know, here's a kid who loves his three brothers, who takes his responsibility seriously of getting them to and from school, mm-hmm. making their snack, doing their after school. And I told him that if you're not doing your homework, your priorities are in the wrong place. You know, and so my vision of success was in direct competition with his love for his brothers. When you have that moment where you mm-hmm. realize there's this element of trust that you have to rebuild with him. Yeah. How do you, where do you go from there? How do you build that back? You know, and I think that's the eternal question that we ask ourselves as teachers. One question that I've been grappling with to kind of extend that one is this idea of what is the difference between can't learn and won't learn? Mm -hmm. You know, because here's a kid, Daniel, who like if you were to kind of casually glance across the classroom and see him not engage with me and not engage with my content, you would assume that Daniel can't learn. Mm -hmm. But actually, Daniel's not learning in the context of my classroom was a conscious choice. And that was a choice that he made in self-defense. So actually, that was the most smart thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, that, you know, that someone is attacking the way that you live your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you decide to not learn from that person or you decide to not ally with that person. Yeah. So in a world of like smarts and self-preservation, Daniel had done the most honorable thing. Yeah. Um, but then in a world that values academics, you know, we only know how to see that as refusal to learn or he can't yeah. learn. And so I've really been trying to draw a line between, you know, do I as a pedagogue know the difference between a kid that can't learn and a kid that just refuses to learn because Mm -hmm. the two are not the same. And I think that the kid who refuses to learn is actually exercising a great degree of intelligence. (laughs) For me, it started with an apology. And I think the hard realization in that is that I had done something that attacked Daniel um, at his most fundamental level, like his love for his brothers, you know? And so my apology really is the beginning of a journey like that. And, you know, and that's the uncomfortable part about even doing this podcast is that, you know, I'm still not in a place with him where it's all perfect yet. Right. This is still very fresh. You've just had this conversation with him. Yeah. And you're in a place where you you've had that initial apology. But now what's next? Now I got to do the work, you know, and I think that that's the beautiful thing about being a teacher is that we've got many, many days in a school year. And so every day I show up has to be a day where I not only talk about my loyalty to Daniel, Mm -hmm. but that I demonstrate it, you know, both in words and in actions. And what do the, what do those actions look like? And I mean, I think for me, I've had to really explore first, what are the reasons that might cause a kid like Daniel to shut down? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been really hard for me to think about, but then I've, I've kind of I think in my mind got it down to a few things. I think, um, of course, Daniel shut down because he felt personally attacked. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about the kids in my classroom who would choose to not learn, I ask myself, have I done anything? Has this institution done anything mm-hmm. that causes kids to feel personally attacked? Also, I feel like kids might shut down or might choose to shut down whenever they feel some kind of institutional discomfort. Mm-hmm. And that discomfort might be from me and my colleagues. That discomfort might be from peers. But I have to ask, is there a source in this school of some kind of institutional discomfort. And then once I figure those two things out, then I get to decide what I'm going to do about it. And in the case of Daniel, and I think in the case of most students, um, I've got to, of course, own the personal attack and and work to remedy it. Mm-hmm. You know, And so in my innocuous way, talking about homework really... Yeah. was not okay in the world of a kid like Daniel. Right. You know, and so and so how do I be more inclusive? And I think that that apology has to start with a level of demonstrated inclusivity. And then I have to actively be removing institutional barriers mm-hmm. for kids. So once I find wherever that institutional discomfort is, if it's in my homework policy or if it's in the way that kids sit together and the way that I group them, then I've got to remove those barriers immediately. And the removal of those barriers has to be public and intentional. That kids have to know that, hey, this thing exists in this classroom. And in my case, this homework policy exists in this classroom. And for some of you, that homework policy is not okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm changing it. Um, And a kid like Daniel has to hear my apology, but then see me publicly changing the thing that impacts him adversely. And I think that's not, I'm not going to win him over tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's the thing. I think a lot of times I go to teacher PD or I read teacher books and I feel like, okay, if I do this thing, Mm -hmm. I'm going to win Daniel tomorrow. And I think the reality of it is that, you know, you can do one thing to lose it, but then you got to build it back up. So in in many ways, it is a relationship, you know, like when you mess up in a relationship, you apologize, but then you work. Yeah. You know, and I think, but we as teachers are in a lucky position because we have opportunities every day to do the work. 
um, which is really beautiful. Well, and and you were curious mm-hmm. as you always are. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so you're you you're putting the invite out there. You're yeah. saying you know if anybody's listening to this, if another teacher is listening to this and maybe has a piece of advice, for sure, you would encourage them to tweet you with some ideas. That would be amazing, you know. And I think this is a thing that we as teachers can suffer through in silence. Mm-hmm. That no one really wants to talk about the kid in your class that doesn't like you. Yeah. You know, and, or we always make it about the kid. We're like, well, that kid cut class or that kid showed up five minutes early or five minutes late, but we never want to make it about us. Well, here's what I did that might have set that kid off. Help me work through this. And I think one of the things that I'm really on about right now is really thinking about that because Mm -hmm. those are the kids who end up um, getting less from our classes. What is a takeaway that we could learn from this, that we could look into ourselves? Because it's not easy to look at ourselves exactly. and, and identify that. Mm-hmm. So what did what did you go through that led you to the place that you went, yeah, no, this is me. This, mm-hmm. this isn't anything else. This is on me. You know, I think that w- as teachers, we're lucky because we're humans first. Mm-hmm. And all of us are in relationships outside of school. And I think that teachers are a really beautiful kind of people, a really beautiful breed of people, because... In our relationships in life, we know how to take ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, we know how to apologize. We know how to work through difficulty. But sometimes, you know, our teaching where we're most vulnerable, that's where it gets hard. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's been an act of aggressive transfer. Mm-hmm. You know, and Grant Wiggins talks a lot about transfer. Like, yeah. how do I take this skill that I know in one area of my life and apply it to this other area of my life? And so in teacher terms, I've really you know, one thing I believe is that, like, as teachers, we already have the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of creative transfer. Yeah. And so I've really been thinking about, like, yeah, where are the areas in my life where I've totally messed it up? And yeah. <laughs> and how can I really, <laughs> like, apply what I've learned from those situations to the work that I'm doing with kids like Daniel? Yeah. Cornelius is genuine in his request for feedback from you. He'd love to know your thoughts. You can follow Cornelius on Twitter, at Mr. Minor, and continue this conversation from there. My thanks to Cornelius. That's all the time we have for today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more podcasts and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, you can get a daily teacher tip right on your phone directly from Heinemann Authors by downloading the Heinemann Teacher Tip app. All this and more on Heinemann.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our other conversations with Cornelius. This is number two in a five-part series, and we'll be launching more of our conversation with Cornelius in the coming weeks. Thanks for listening.
My thanks to Cornelius for his time today. You can follow Cornelius on Twitter as at Mr. Minor, and you will not be disappointed. Be sure to subscribe for more podcasts and follow Heinemann on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, you can get a daily teacher tip right on your phone directly from Heinemann Authors by downloading the Heinemann Teacher Tip app. All this and more on Heinemann.com. Thanks for listening.